So welcome back again to the second part of Common Sea Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, still joined in studio here by Anne and Lorraine. And it's this being the feast of the Corpus Christi, the body and blood of Christ. Who else would we get to give us a reflection? But Lorraine Buckley, our own little Lorraine. (laughs) There are many people far better um, educated and better able to speak about the Feast of Corpus Christi than I. The Holy Spirit decided to (laughs) yarn on. Okay. Okay, so today's feast is, of course, Corpus Christi, or as uh, the kind of English title would be, the Solemnity of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Jesus Christ, in which we celebrate the real presence of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, body, blood, soul and divinity. And we'll come back to that in a little while. Let's look at the history of the feast. It's traditionally celebrated, of course, on the Thursday following the Solemnity of the Holy Trinity. And of course, for us in Ireland, that has been transferred to the Sunday. So we celebrate it today instead of last Thursday. The feast itself dates to the Middle Ages and originated with a visionary nun and with a Eucharistic miracle. On Holy Thursday, the day on which the Church commemorates the institution of the Holy Eucharist, it's impossible to honour the Blessed Sacrament with the appropriate solemn and joyful rites because, of course, Holy Thursday is part of the Easter Triduum. So just before it, we have the betrayal of Judas and immediately afterwards, we're into the Passion with Jesus. So it was a humble nun in Belgium, St. Juliana, uh, the prioress of mont who first suggested and advocated a special feast in honour of the Blessed Sacrament to be celebrated on a day other than Holy Thursday. From her 16th year, she had often in her prayers beheld a strange sight. It was as if the full moon appeared to her in brilliant light, while a part of its disc remained black and lightless. Finally, in a vision, Christ showed her the meaning of this picture. The moon represented the ecclesiastical year, the church's year, and the black spot indicated the lack of a festival in honour of the Blessed Sacrament. She was announced to the authorities of the church that God wished such a feast to be established. In 1230, Juliana communicated her secret to a small group of learned theologians. As her message became publicly known, she had to suffer scorn and ridicule for some years, as many of her visionaries have had to do over the years. But the bishop of her diocese and some of his canons eventually lent a willing ear to her appeals. A diocesan synod in 1246 decided in her favour and prescribed such a feast for the churches of Liège. Was it a mere coincidence that one of the men who had supported her efforts in Belgium later became Pope? He was Jacques who became Urban IV. Now, in the meantime, in 1263, a German priest, Father Peter of Prague, made a pilgrimage to Rome. He stopped in Balsina in Italy to celebrate Mass at the Church of St. Christina. At the time, he was having doubts about Jesus being truly present in the Blessed Sacrament. He was affected by the growing debate among certain theologians who, for the first time in the history of the Church, began introducing doubts about the body and blood of Christ being actually present in the consecrated bread and wine. In response to his doubt, when he recited the prayer of consecration as he celebrated the Mass, blood started seeping from the consecrated host and onto the altar and corporal. Father Peter reported this miracle to Pope Urban IV, who at, who at the time was nearby in Orvieto, 
and the Pope sent delegates to investigate and ordered that the host and the bloodstained corporal be brought to Orvieto. The relics were then placed in the Cathedral of Orvieto, where they still remain today. So this Eucharistic miracle confirmed the visions given to Saint Juliana of Mont-Corleone in Belgium. Juliana was a nun and a mystic who had a series of visions, as I said, about that moon with the dark spot in which Jesus asked her to establish, or asked the church rather, to establish a liturgical feast for the Holy Eucharist. On the 8th of September 1264, six years after Juliana's death, Pope Urban IV established for the whole church a festival in honour of the Holy Eucharist, which the saintly nun had proclaimed to be willed by God. It was to be celebrated with great solemnity on the Thursday after Pentecost week and indulgences were granted to all who would receive Holy Communion or attend special devotions, hearing that Mass or attending that Mass as we would say. Urban IV commissioned the great Dominican scholar Saint Thomas Aquinas to compose the texts of that Mass and Divine Office for the new feast. Those texts are still in use today and I would highly recommend you to take out your missal today and to read through all the prayers of the Mass. They are stunning. They are absolutely beautiful, John. Um, Just to sit with them and to pray with them. A lot of them we would know by heart anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, but just to take them out and reflect on them during the day would be wonderful. Because sometimes at Mass... It's part of the ritual. It's part of we're so used to it. Exactly. We're kind of used to that, as you say, that ritual of mass that sometimes, even though our heart might be there, we're not really meditating on the words and and what's going on. So it's lovely if we have a little bit of time today just to take out the readings for the mass and reflect on those again. Of course, Corpus Christi is a time where many churches celebrate um, Corpus Christi processions and usually the children who have received First Holy Communion come and they profess their faith in the real presence of Jesus by either accompanying the Blessed Sacrament or by spreading petals um, in front of the Blessed Sacrament. It is one time when our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament is exposed not just to the faithful Catholics in a Catholic church, but to all the world. We bring Christ physically into our towns and into our communities and ask him to bless everyone. And this is a time when Catholics can show their love for Christ in the real presence by honouring him in a very public way. And of course, we do so in a very reverential way, too. There is no point in having a Corpus Christi procession if we don't do it reverently and beautifully. And it always strikes me how wonderfully, for example, Newcastle West, which I would know quite well, how all the little um, houses on the street would put up their images of the Sacred Heart or images of statues or have fresh flowers out or would have candles. It's really very, very beautiful sign of the love we have for Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Of course, what do we mean when we're talking about the real presence of Jesus in um, the Blessed Sacrament or in Holy Communion? It's based on the words of Jesus himself when he instituted the Eucharist. So we're going back again to Holy Thursday. Jesus took the bread and said, this is my body. He didn't say this is a representation of my body. This is a symbol of my body. This is my body. And of course, the priest, when he prays that part of the mass, he is praying it in persona Christi. In other words, it is Christ himself who is praying those words again. This is my body. 
and he declared that the body, the bread is actually his body and that he is really present. And of course, he said with the chalice of wine, this is my blood. So we accept that as a matter of faith. Like you can have all the signs in the world and apart from Eucharistic miracles where there've been a number of Eucharistic miracles where they've been able to scientifically look at the host that is bleeding and figure out that it is human blood um, and that it does resonate with what we would know of Jesus at the time. But apart from that, there is no scientific evidence. There is no definite or factual proof of the um, the body and blood of Jesus in the Eucharist. So we see with the eyes of faith, we believe Jesus because he is God. He cannot lie. He said himself, he is the way, the truth and the life. Saint Cyril of Alexandria, whom we spoke about earlier, said, do not doubt whether this is true, but rather receive the words of the Saviour in faith, for since he is truth, he cannot lie. The words of Jesus are clear and unambiguous. Chapter six of John's Gospel as well speaks very clearly about the real presence of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. So again, we might have our faith maybe eroded a little bit or maybe we have come just a tiny bit kind of used to the fact that we receive Holy Communion and perhaps we don't reflect on it as much as we should, that when we receive Holy Communion, it is truly the body and blood of Jesus Christ whom we receive. It is Jesus himself whom we receive. And there are many beautiful Catholic hymns that remind us of this and occasionally we would have them in and around Feast of Corpus Christi or, you know, during your Eucharistic adoration where we have benediction. Um, one of those hymns is the Tantum Ergo and we know it very well. As good Catholics, we sing it very well. But do we know what the words mean in English? Um, I'm going to read out a translation of them here. It's not an exact kind of literal translation. It's more of a poetic translation, but it still speaks the truth. Down in adoration falling, lo, the sacred host we hail. Lo, or ancient forms departing, newer rites of grace prevail. Okay, the ancient forms depart the old covenant of the covenants all throughout the Old Testament, which was preparing us for the coming of Jesus Christ. Newer rites of grace prevail, the newer rites, the sacraments through which we receive grace, baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, all the sacraments. Faith for all defects supplying where the feeble senses fail. Well, the feeble senses fail because we see bread and wine. That's all we can see when we smell it, when we taste it. It is, it tastes like bread. It tastes like wine. So our senses fail us in that sense. Faith supplies for that. To the everlasting Father and the Son who reigns on high with the Holy Spirit proceeding forth from each eternally be salvation, honour, blessing, might and endless majesty. So again, when we receive Jesus, we receive the fullness of the Holy Trinity because you cannot separate them out. We're receiving God into our souls. It's incredible. And just so we can reflect on that, we're going to listen now to a rendition of the Tantum Ergo. Tantum Ergo Sacramentum Plana Ramur 
So that was the beautiful Tantum Ergo Sacramentum, which we use uh, during benediction. And of course, we played a piece of music at the start of the programme, John, the Ave Verum Corpus, while we were uh, reflecting there at the start of our programme, which was, we think, was attributed to uh, Pope Innocent VI. And again, I'm just going to reflect on the words of that, because again, it is a beautiful hymn that we often use during benediction. Hail, true body, born of the Virgin Mary, having truly suffered, sacrificed on the cross for mankind, from whose pierced side water and blood flowed. Be for us a foretaste of the heavenly banquet in the trial of death. O sweet Jesus, O holy Jesus, O Jesus, son of Mary, have mercy on me. Amen. And again, you can see there, John, the great theology that is within those Eucharistic hymns. Hail, true body, born of Mary. We're hailing Jesus who suffered, sacrificed on the cross for us and from whose side water and blood flowed out. Water, a symbol of baptism, blood, a symbol of the Eucharist. So truly the sacraments were born from the side of Christ. Another beautiful hymn which we often use for Eucharistic adoration is um, one composed by St. Thomas Aquinas again, specifically for the Feast of Corpus Christi and it's Adoro Te Devote. It's one of the five Eucharistic hymns that Thomas wrote for that solemnity. And again, I just want to reflect on the words of that. So I'm going to read some of the words now and then we'll play out that hymn in full. Again, beautiful, beautiful theology. Godhead here in hiding, whom I do adore, masked by these bare shadows, shape and nothing more. See, Lord, at thy service, low lies here a heart, lost, all lost in wonder at the God thou art. And that wonder and awe in God's presence, that's what we should try and evoke within ourselves when we're coming up to receive Jesus in Holy Communion or when we kneel before him, uh, whether he's exposed in the Blessed Sacrament, in other words, when we can see him, or we should also approach the tabernacle with such reverence. Oftentimes you see people either talking in church or kind of walking in front of, passing in front of the tabernacle. And we seem to forget sometimes that this is truly God present among us. This is Emmanuel, God with us in the Blessed Sacrament. Just, you know, just one of the thoughts that just came to my mind there as you were, as you were just telling us that what was part of our preparation as we entered the church is just to help us mm. to have that grace to be able to recognize this is God's house and not just God's but Jesus is here. He's in the most blessed sacrament in the, in the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. What a wonderful uh, resource we have. But just to appreciate it, that's Jesus. Jesus Absolutely. Is. Absolutely. And it's for those of us who come to church often, it's, it's good to remind ourselves of that because sometimes we can become a bit blasé. We can become a little bit used to it. And it's important to remind us ourselves that the church is not a theatre. The church is not a community hall. The church is a building dedicated, consecrated to God because God dwells there in in the Blessed Sacrament. Again, the second verse of that um, beautiful Godhead here in hiding or the Adoro Te Devote, seeing, touching, tasting are in thee deceived. In other words, again, Holy Communion looks like, tastes like, feels like bread, but it is Jesus we're receiving. 
How says trusty hearing, that shall be believed. What God's Son has told me, take for truth I do. Truth himself speaks truly, or there's nothing true. Again, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. He cannot lie. And if we believe that Jesus is God, then we will accept the things that he teaches us. On the cross thy Godhead made no sign to men. Here thy very manhood steals from human ken. Both are my confession, a confession there meaning a profession of faith. Both are my belief and I pray the prayer of the dying thief. Of course, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I am not like Thomas, wounds I cannot see, but can plainly call thee Lord and God as he. I think that's beautiful in Ireland because we have the permission to use that beautiful um, mystery of faith, my Lord and my God. And what a beautiful prayer to pray before the Blessed Sacrament. One of the beautiful prayers that our parents taught us as we were children. Absolutely. And then maybe we're struggling a little bit in our faith. These lines perhaps are for us. Let me to a deeper faith daily nearer move. Daily make me harder hope and dearer love. O thou our reminder of Christ crucified, living bread, the life of us for whom he died. Lend this life to me then, feed and feast my mind. There be thou the sweetness man was meant to find. And of course, the Eucharist does nourish us. It nourishes our faith. We come to Mass to be nourished at two tables, at the table of the Word and at the table of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. So we come to be nourished, to have our minds and hearts opened and enlightened by the Holy Spirit in order to receive Jesus. Bring the tender tale true of the pelican. Bathe me, Jesus Lord, in what thy bosom ran, blood whereof a single drop has power to win all the world's forgiveness of its world of sin. One single drop of Jesus' blood would have been sufficient to save us. And yet he chose to die for us, to give his very life for us. It's incredible again, just to reflect on that, that kind of the fittingness of how Jesus became man and chose to save us in and through our humanity. Jesus, whom I look at, shrouded here below, I beseech thee, send me what I thirst for so, some day to gaze on thee face to face in light, and be blessed forever with thy glory's sight. Amen. Of course, the Eucharist is the foretaste of heaven. It is bread for the journey. It is to nourish within us that desire for heaven because God created us out of love and for love to be with him forever in heaven. So we're going to give you an opportunity to reflect maybe on one or two of those points by playing Godhead here in hiding from the Basilica of the Blessed Trinity. <laughs> 